This is a Crossroads International Church podcast, bringing lives together. Please visit our website at xrds.nl for more information about us, our service times, and for other relevant resources. Good morning, my dear friends and beautiful and precious people of God. It is so good to see you. It's so good for us to be here. So I'm starting a new sermon series today. And to help me, uh, by way of illustration, uh, we're starting a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit of God in us. And so to help me, I have got here a beautiful, a spectacular specimen of a banana tree. It really is a beautiful banana What? Ah, sorry, my mistake. I can see why you are confused. Uh, That's because you have not seen the sign. So I'm going to, there we go. Sorry, that should clear things up for you a little bit. I, so, so my mistake, now that you've, you've got the whole picture, it clearly says it's a banana tree. What? Okay, you're confusing me now because despite it clearly being labeled and despite it quite clearly saying it's a banana tree, you still seem to disagree with me. Why is it not a banana tree? It is, in fact, a lemon tree. So hang on. So so what you're saying to me is, we know that this is a lemon tree, not because of the sign. So it doesn't matter what the label says. What matters is the the fruit. Well, now this is exactly what Paul talks about in the book of Galatians. He's saying, listen, you can label yourself whatever you like. Don't talk to me, show me. We are identified, we, are, we, are, we know and the world will know who we are and what we are by our fruit, not by the label we give ourselves. So that might say it's a banana tree, but we know it is in fact not a banana tree. And so you are happy to know that Paul is really not that stupid. He does actually know it is a lemon tree. We know what it is by its fruit. And so Paul writes to us in the book of Galatians, and we're going to look at this for the next three weeks. He tells us, and he says, look, so in Galatians, I'll I'll, I'll give us some detail just now and give us some background to the book, but essentially in chapter 5, he says, look, there's there's this battle. There's a struggle of our sinful, selfish human nature at battle. And and that sinful, selfish human nature produces fruit. And then he gives us a list of, of, and it's not a comprehensive list, but he gives us an idea of what the fruit of my sinful, selfish nature looks like. What kind of fruit that produces. And then he says, but if we are to call ourselves followers of Jesus... 
And when we have the Spirit of God in us, it produces different kind of fruit, and He gives us a list of what that looks like. What does our lives look like when the Spirit of God is in us? So let's read it very quickly. It's Galatians 5, verse 16 to 23. I'm going to read it for us. I'm shrinking, so I have to lower this thing. So I tell you, Galatians 5, 16. So I tell you, live by following the Spirit. Then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Our sinful selves want what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit wants what is against our sinful selves. The two are against each other, so you cannot do just what you please. But if the Spirit is leading you, you are not under the law. I'll explain that just now. The wrong things that the sinful self does are clear, and so he gives us a list of the fruit now some of the fruit of our sinful selves. He says, being sexually unfaithful, not being pure, taking part in sexual sins, worshiping gods, doing witchcraft, hating, making trouble, being jealous, being angry, being selfish, making people angry with each other, causing divisions among people, feeling envy, being drunk, having wild and wasteful parties. And doing other things like these. I warn you now, as I have warned you before, those who do these things will not inherit God's kingdom, but the Spirit produces. And now he gives us a list. So the fruit of the Spirit of God, for those who have God's Spirit in them, who label themselves followers of Jesus. These are the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So friends, as we emerge out of this season of isolation, and it very much is our hope, is it not? It's very much our prayer and our hope that we, 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 we are turning the corner. I know the daily infections don't quite suggest that, but I, I, I think it's very much our collective hope is that, look, we are now, we'll take steps forwards and, and, and we'll emerge out of this. And as we, 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 we trust God, as we move into a new season where we can reconnect again with one another and, and be community again, God has really laid on my heart to just pause here for a minute and let's speak about the fruit of God's Spirit for a moment. You see, because we can call ourselves what we want, but we are recognized by the fruit in our lives. And the fruit of God's Spirit is love, not hate. Is joy, not misery? Is peace, not discord? Is patience, not agitation? Is kindness, not meanness? Goodness, not cruelty? Faithfulness, faithfulness, not disloyalty? Gentleness, not hardness? Self-control, not rashness? I want to start 
this series because I think this is at the heart of what Paul is trying to teach her with a question. Do you know the you that you are meant to be? Do we know the us that we are meant to be as a church community? Do you know the you that you are meant to be? And quite obviously, I'm not talking about your ideal job or your ideal hair color or your ideal weight or whatever. I'm talking about the heart, the nature, character, values, the you that you are meant to be the you that you were created to be. You see, what the fruit of the Spirit is all about, it is, it is teaching us something critical, critical as the people of God. It is about teaching us about the you that you were meant to be. The fruit of the Spirit is all about teaching us about and showing us the kind of people that God wants us to be the kind of people we are called to be, and the kind of attributes we are to live towards one another and the world around us. This is what the fruit of the Spirit is about. This is what Paul is trying to get across, saying, let me show you the person God wants you to be, the you that you are meant to be. Will you do me a favor? As I get going, I'm going to ask that we put up the next slide. It is uh, verses 22 and 23, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Let's stick that up there. Why don't we, I think it just does something when we collectively speak it out loud. As we, over the next three weeks, I'm going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Do me a favor, let us together read it out loud and say it out loud, out loud together as a church. But the Spirit produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today I'm going to look at the first three, love, joy, and peace. Before I do, let's set the scene, give you a bit of background so you know what's happening, what's going on, and what Paul is trying to convey now, first of all, the book of Galatians, so uh, Galatia was not a church, it was a region within the Roman Empire at the time, today it's central Turkey, and within the region there were four churches, uh, Lystra, Derby, Iconium, and Pisidian Antioch. Churches that Paul started on his missionary journeys, you can read about it in Acts 13 and 14 if you're interested, the story of the, the beginnings of those faith communities. And then we read the book of Galatians, and we come to discover Paul was not in a good mood. Paul was upset. He was angry, dare I even say. Go and read the book of Galatians. It's, it's quick. It'll take you. I read the whole book again just, before, just this morning again. It's very quick. Beautiful book. Go and read it. You'll come discover something's up. Something's going on here. Paul, and, and I'm going to say it because here's how I see it. Paul's angry. Why? What's going on? Okay, let me, let me help us um, understand. So Paul went into this Galatia, and he would preach uh, in the synagogues, 
but there were people who were not happy with his preaching, and they would chase him out because they were not happy about a few things. Number one, they were not happy about what he was preaching, what he was teaching. They were not happy that Paul seemed to be very popular, and his message was very popular, and many people came to, to faith and to follow Jesus. And here was the thing that just shocked them all, and they were really not happy about this, that it wasn't just Jews, but Gentiles who came to Jesus. Now, this completely rocked their world. You see, because what Paul was teaching, he was teaching this. He said, hey, listen, the way that you find salvation is this. It is Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and the law, the law of Moses, is no longer the way by which we find salvation, but it is, in fact, the way you find salvation is by putting your faith in Jesus as the Messiah, or through putting your faith in Jesus as the Messiah, and by the grace of Salvation by faith through grace, not the law. Now, here's what that meant. That meant that, well, hang on, if this is how we are saved by Jesus and putting our faith in Him and, and the grace of God and not by falling. Now, what that, the practical implication of that was anybody could get saved. Gentiles, slaves, anybody. Then Paul goes on to preach, but wait, it gets better, you Gentiles. You don't have to become Jewish. <laughs> You don't have to, and, and here was the big thing, you don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to follow these 613 laws and rules to be a follower of Jesus. So we're saved not by following and our, our actions and following these rules. We're saved by the actions of Jesus and by just putting our trust in him. And relying upon God's grace. And so it becomes about the heart, not the rules that we follow. And then he summarizes it in verses 14. He says, and, and this is what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Summarizing the law for us in that. Well, <laughs> now you can imagine. There was a group of people in the church saying, uh-uh. No, sorry, this is not good. Uh, this cannot possibly be right. And uh, because Paul was preaching not circumcision, he was preaching baptism. No, this is not right. We're not happy with this. So they disagreed with Paul completely. And they said, we cannot just be saved by grace. It doesn't make sense. They must be, I mean, that's far too hippie. There must be rules and laws. You've got to follow this. We don't want this liberation theology type hippie stuff. Because then people are going to just do what they want to do if they know rules. And this is where Paul begins to talk about, no, but the Spirit of God in us produces certain fruit. And so these fruits are the attributes of God, the nature, the character of God. And so the Spirit of God changes us so that we will, by our nature, want to live and act in accordance with the will of God anyway. And so Paul talks about this, and they said, no, sorry. And so what they did was, when Paul left the region, they moved in, and they said, right, that Paul character, don't listen to him. Um, if you want to follow Jesus, here are the, 16, the, the 613 rules you've got to follow. And so, by the way, you've got to be circumcised if you want to follow Jesus. Paul gets to hear about this. 
And he goes, right. And he's angry. And he's upset. And so we have then this letter to the churches in Galatia in a response to this issue of law versus grace. And in fact, it's actually funny. So Paul goes, going, chapter 5, verse 12, Paul goes, listen, if they like circumcision so much, just cut off the whole thing then. Paul goes, go and read it. He's angry. He's upset. Verse 12, if you don't believe me, Randy, it says it there, right? Paul says, right, let me set the record straight. And so he writes. It's a beautiful letter. Beautiful letter. This is the background. And so what Paul then begins to say, saying, listen, so there was an issue within the church. Law, salvation by grace or by law. But connected to this issue, what disturbed Paul was the way people treated one another, the way people engaged with one another within the church, and the way the people in the church treated the people outside of the church. Church throughout history has always faced issues to be vaccinated or not, to wear a face mask or not, to when there is a lockdown to worship online or to ignore all instruction and just do what we want to do anyway. There are always issues and there are these, these conversations, there are these debates within the church. And this was a big one happening. But what disturbed Paul more than that, what disturbed Paul was this fact that, hang on a minute, how are we treating one another? You call yourself banana trees, but you're acting like a bunch of lemons. In the way that we engage with one another, in the way we treat one another. And so he says, now can I remind you, the fruit of the Spirit is the following. And he tells us. So a few things about the fruit of the Spirit. I think it's important to set the scene that we understand this. Number one. They are the attributes of God. So they describe to us what God is like. So when we read them, we get an insight into the nature and character of God. They are the attributes of God, who God is. But secondly, what Paul says, it's not just only who God is, but it's what God wants to give to you. It's what the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate and nurture and wants to grow within you. It's who we are meant to be. It's the you you were destined to be. It is, it is what we are to be, but it's what we are to live towards others. And then there's a the thing about the fruit of the Spirit. They are exactly that. They are not the fruit of Paul or the fruit of Johan or the fruit of whatever your name is. It is the fruit of the Spirit of God. So it's not fruit based upon your actions or efforts. It is the fruit of God, God's Spirit. I mean, I can't make a lemon. I can't make a banana. Here's why it's so beautiful. But what I can do, I can create the environment for this lemon to be able to grow. I can plant the tree. I can cultivate the tree. I can, I can uh, feed the soil. I can water it. So I have a role to play. I, my role is to create the environment for the Spirit of God to grow the fruit of the Spirit of God in me. And so that's why I, I do my devotions every day. That's why I 
I'm part of a trio. That's why I, I go to my life group. That's why I, I come to church. That's why I, I, I listen to worship music when I'm driving and people think I'm crazy when they see me getting my groove on in the car. Or as Bethany, my daughter, says, getting my vibe on. I'm creating the environment for the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in me, to grow the fruit of God's Spirit. Let's look at the first three of this fruit very quickly. The first one is this. Paul says it's love. And the Greek word that Paul uses there, you know this word, it's the word agape. And agape just simply means, it means to have a, uh, can you imagine the world with this? More of this? In fact, Louis Armstrong sings about it. He knows about it. What a wonderful world. That was my audition for the uh, worship team, Randy. When there is more of agape, and agape means a selfless care for the other. Where I, there's this thing within me that says, I, I want to put myself in your shoes. I want to try and understand you. I want to care for you. I want to make it my mission. That's the fruit of love of the Spirit of God. I want to make it my mission to bless you. I want to think about you. I want God to put you on my heart and on my mind. And when you are hurting, that I'm hurting. When you're lonely, I'm lonely. And when, you, when you're suffering, I, I want to feel it because I want to put myself to one side. And I want to lift you up. I want to see you prosper. Agape. Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, so the night before, he, he, in, in, in John 13, 35, he says, by this people will know, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love, and the word is agape, if you agape one another. This is the you that you are meant to be. To live with a selfless care for the people that God bring onto your path. A godly concern for the well-being of others. And so it really is not so much about what I feel towards you. So, th so it's not so much, well, I have to like feel in love with you and feel warm and fuzzy when you walk into the room and I, I have these tremendous feelings towards you. No, it's more about how I act towards you. Paul writes elsewhere, he says, you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can follow all the rules in the world, but if you, if you do not have love, you are nothing. If you do not have agape, you have nothing. God asks us to be agape to one another. This is why we, we volunteer. This is why we why we sign up for things. It's inconvenient. Obedience is usually always inconvenient. <laughs> I mean, yeah, inconvenient. I nearly said convenient. <laughs> it's hardly ever convenient. And so I sign up. I, 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 I choose to, to come and help at the door. I, I choose to come and help teach other people's children on su at Sunday school. I, I 
I mean, do you have any idea what a big commitment it is to be part of the worship team? But I sign up for it. I mean, I've tried, but Randy won't let me. But, but others, because the fruit of the Spirit of God is, is growing in me, and that is love. It's the selfless care for the sake of the other. Now, I can't change you, but what I can do is say, Lord, that is the me I am meant to be. Holy Spirit, I invite you to grow the fruit of love in me so that the world might know. Joy. Joy is a fascinating word. Uh, the Greek word used for joy is kara. And you'll just come to discover it's connected to two other amazing words. Now, how the Bible understands joy is very different from, I think, how we understand joy. And happiness, we, we kind of often connect happiness and joy. Now, happiness is something that happens to you based upon an experience. Joy, the way the Bible understands joy is joy is not something that happens to us. The way the Bible understands joy is it, it's something I choose. I choose joy. I, I experience, it's something I experience that is independent of my circumstances. That's got nothing to do with my week. Joy is not about, oh, the sun is shining, and I have just got my vacancy held, and I'm going on holiday, and I'm filled with joy. No. Or it's miserable outside, and it really is, actually. And I am cold, and I'm done with winter, and I've had a bad week, and I have no joy. That's not the biblical understanding of joy. Joy, biblical joy, and this fruit of joy that God wants to grow within us. And again, it's the me I'm meant to be, is to live with joy. It's a fruit that comes from a place of confidence, knowing that God, Romans 8.28, that God has the capability and importantly the desire to take my circumstances and to transform them. It comes from that confidence knowing that irrespective of what's going on in my life right now, irrespective of my anxiety, my struggles, and the things that seem hopeless, God has the capability and the desire to transform that and for something good to come out of it. And from that place, I choose joy. Now, joy is connected to two other amazing Bible words, Bible ideas, concepts. Okay, so joy is the word kara. The word for grace is charis. And the word for thanksgiving is eucharistio. Charis is right in the middle of it. So joy is connected to the ideas of grace and thanksgiving. So here's the connection. Here's how I can choose joy. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants to grow within me so that I live with joy always. To live with joy is, first of all, to understand the grace of God. God's free, unmerited favor. I don't need to follow 613 rules. I, I, I don't have to be perfect. And, and God is just gracious. It's free. It's unmerited. The grace of God. And from that understanding of God's grace towards me, I now not just understand grace, I acknowledge grace. And how do you acknowledge grace? By giving thanks. 
the acknowledgement of grace is living thankfully and thanksgiving. And so to live with joy is to live with that daily, constant understanding, the grace of God. I am on my knees, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. It moves me to tears just thinking about your grace in my life. And I, and I want to acknowledge that grace by living thankfully. It's the me I'm meant to be. And so from that place, I choose joy. And I'm to live joy towards others. So what's the implication? To live joy towards others means I love you and I treat you with grace and thanksgiving. That's what it means to live joy to others, is to treat them with grace and thanksgiving. Right, last one, then I'm done. I've got one minute and 50 seconds left. Peace. Peace is a beautiful word. It is the word you might know a person with this name. Irene. Any Irenes? No. The word peace, Irene, means something so beautiful. And again, I'm just reminded that's who I'm meant to be. That's what God wants to do in me and for me. Irene, peace means, wait for it, this is good, you're going to love it. The joining together. To join things together. That means to be at peace. So when the Holy Spirit is working in me, growing the fruit of peace, what it's saying is, it is joining me together with God. That's what it really means to be living at peace, to be joined together with God. It means not just to be joined together with God, but it means to be joined together with myself. So many of us live so conflicted in ourselves. And there's this constant guilt and stress between, you know, uh, Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 7. He says, you know, the things that I don't want to do, I do do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. And there's this, there's this inattention and there's this conflict. I want to be good, but I can't. And, I, you know, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And the peace, the fruit that God wants to grow within me, because it's the me I'm meant to be, is the fruit of peace. The joining together of me with God and God's will. For my life, to bring harmony, for me to live, for me to not live in this conflicted state all the time about I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever the case may be. And the joining together of, of me with, with the people in my life, to be at peace with those around me. It's the me. I'm meant to be. We live in a world, my friends, that so desperately needs agape, Karis, Irene. And many of you perhaps are seated here today, and you need to know that in your life, for a long time, there's not been any real joy. For a long time, there's not been a great deal of peace in my life. I invite you to pray with me. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, will you be gracious unto me and help me to create the environment in my life as I recommit myself to, to church and to life group and to trios and to my personal devotions and to worship and just to create the environment, the space in my life 
where you, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and to cultivate and produce your fruit within me, Lord, because I need love and joy and peace. I need to be that. It's the me that I am meant to be, and I need to live that towards my wife and my, and my children and my husband and my colleagues and my neighbors and the world around me. Lord, I want to pray for every person here who perhaps as they seated here have been living miserably of late, have been so focused just on ourselves and have failed to recognize the struggles and to care for those around and have been at no peace at all and very little joy. Lord, I want to lift them up to you now and ask, come Holy Spirit, Fill this house with your glory. Help them to become the you they were always meant to be. And to grow your fruit of love and joy and peace. And then help us to live that towards others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.